Welcome to Richmond Kickers Weekly. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who I don't think has ever gone an entire month without scoring. <laughs> His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. Lots of ways to take that, so I'm just going to say correct. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to have like a gallows humour uh-huh. about it, but we are nearly to the end of June and yeah. the kickers have not scored in June. They're We're not. also, I think, six games without a win in USL League One. Correct. Plus the Open Cup defeat to, to North Carolina. Yep. It, we're in a bad patch. Mm-hmm. Richmond kickers are in a bad patch, and there's no there's no arguing otherwise, right? There is not. Yeah. Um, and we've done a lot in recent shows talking about kind of the tactics, what we think is going wrong, or what we think could be improved. Yeah. Um, our should we say sister podcast? Our, our fellow podcast? Our friends in podcasting? River City Night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they did a good uh, in- interview this week, right? Yes, with uh, Mika, the assistant mm-hmm. coach. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one. Maybe if you want to get some more thoughts from Mika, from a member of the coaching staff, about sort of what the kickers are trying to do, some areas that maybe they're not having success. Elliot asked some good questions in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a good place to go for the maybe tactical analysis yeah. of late. And maybe for our take, mm-hmm. uh, I think last week's uh, show, yeah. um, after the defeat, we, we talked about, to Chattanooga, right? mm. we talked about like what we see, what we actually like about what the kickers are doing. So I do like the idea behind the playing style, yeah. but maybe like little tweaks we think should happen to make it more effective, mm-hmm. um, essentially. And again, we know that we're not coaches, but yeah. like we are pundits and we have, have our ideas. If you want to hear what we think mm-hmm. about what the kickers could switch up, maybe, listen to last week's Richmond Kickers Weekly to get those thoughts. All right. This week, we're talking about the away loss mm-hmm. to South Georgia Tormenta FC to give them their their full name. There we are. And I think like we did all that preamble about last week's shows and tactics and everything like that because basically I think we're going to be looking more so at what went wrong in the final minutes yes. of this game. So yeah, I mean, until the 80th minute, yeah. we were holding a team that's really in good form yeah. uh, to a draw, which right. is not a bad away result, mm-hmm. but then it all sort of falls apart in the last 10 minutes. I think what we want to look at is the the incidents, right? So essentially the kickers give away a penalty kick that mm-hmm. is scored and then Connor Shinovsky, the centre-back, is sent off for two yellow cards in very quick succession, right? right? Should we take these things one by one? Yeah, let's start with the penalty because it's a good reminder that like you can do the right thing for 80 or 81 or 82 minutes, but if you <laughs> if you kind of let your attention slip, if you start to maybe get a little sloppy in moments, yeah. those can all add all up to catastrophe. And here, that catastrophe would be a penalty. Is that, Are you saying that what you think Wahabakwai did was uh, a, a sloppy moment? I mean, yes. but I'm not, ev- not going to debate you. Even but. before that, though, like it's basically uh, ball being moved around and like you have kickers players dropping in and kickers players stepping out, and, and it feels like you had a couple just not even mental lapses, but maybe just moments of fatigue, but like uh, Dennis Chin stops covering uh, Micheletto, who I yeah. think ends up getting the drawing the penalty. penalty. Yeah. yeah. But then, because Braden Troyer thinks Chin is marking Micheletto, Ch- uh, Troyer steps out to try to make a play on somebody else, yes. but that opens up space. Chin stops marking to maybe see where the ball is, mm-hmm. is a nice way of putting it, yeah. um, and that leaves space in behind. So then, like, you've got... It's, then, about, it's about communication between Troyer and Chin, right? It is. Because in Troyer's mind, Chin's marking Micheletto all the way back to the left-back spot, so Troyer thinks, all right, if that's happening here, I'm free to step out. Yeah. But there's never any verbal communication between mm-hmm. them on, like, confirmation of what was happening. Like, if, if I'm Troyer in that situation, I would be confirming with Chin, you got him? All right, before I step. Yeah. And I think Troyer steps without getting the sort of 
um, getting getting the the stamp of approval from Dennis Chin that what he thought was happening was happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, but then that also, even if both of them make mistakes, then it's like not necessarily a major issue. Except that then you have other people who have to try to make plays as a result. Yes. And this in is this why case, I'm quite scrambling over to like a left back area to try and tackle Micheletto. Exactly, right? or which not tackle but shepherd the ball out. I guess. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But I think it also, I, I do think it partially informs the uh, double yellow red card for Shinovsky later on. Is mm-hmm. I think these two centers backs have been playing their game and been very disciplined and doing their job and then in one moment when two two other players maybe stop doing their job for just a couple seconds it requires yeah. you to then go over and try to deal with it and in this case Akwe does that but I think doesn't really end up dealing with it because maybe he's trying to figure out what to do but also still processing that he was just marking somebody and also trying to kind of transition into attack yeah. I don't know but he doesn't make a decisive play on this ball and I think that's the big problem and if you haven't seen this we'll put the link in the show notes mm-hmm. to the highlights essentially what happens is the, the ball the ball goes through it's like the right hand side of the penalty area Mikeleto's running onto it Akwe gets across right mm-hmm. and he's in front of Micheletto he's between Micheletto and the ball and he decides to try and do that thing where you shield uh, the ball from the attacking yep. player and let the ball go over the end line for a goal kick I would argue and I'm sure Akwai would agree in hindsight there's not enough pace on this ball for him to do that it's not going out of play quickly enough so then they end up really tussling um, right on the end line as the ball is very very slowly making revolutions towards being a goal kick and that's the <laughs> that is the like flaw in trying to do this sort of defensive approach of shepherding the ball out of bounds is when it is moving that slow. We've seen this at every level of the game. It's like when it's maybe going to go out of bounds but maybe isn't, it's really easy to get into kind of a grappling match there. And then it's you're no longer sort of really focused on the ball. You end up being focused on the player because they've given you a tug on the jersey and now you've kind of shoved them and then they've pulled the jersey even harder and now you've shoved them even more and then eventually that can boil over. And you're supposed to be playing the ball the whole time. You are. And if you do anything but look like playing the ball, you're going to give away uh, a free kick or in the area a penalty and I do think that usually this favors the defender because it's always the defender defenders get too much leeway in this normally I, mean, I, I don't the do ball. this because I never trust it yeah. Yeah. but I think it does I think that's it they usually get leeway here and so yeah. if you're shepping it out you're always you're trying to actively play and it's usually the attacker who makes some desperation play and like slides around to keep the ball in bounds yeah. ends up getting the defender it's quite often a free kick right near the end line right? but where it can <laughs> flip is if it's not a really one final aggressive move from the attacker but sort of a just consistent harassing, annoying, then I think the person who's trying to shield the ball, in this case, Akwe, can start to get a little agitated and a little aggressive. Oh, you're saying that's what happened in this case? Yeah, and I think he maybe also thinks, oh, it's going to be a foul given against this guy, so I'm going to give him, I think it is Mekaleto. It is? is, Yeah. Uh, I think he basically thinks, oh, this foul is going to be given, maybe I'll give him like a little bit of a retaliatory shove because I don't like my jersey being pulled, except that Mekaleto did it at such an angle in such a way that I think the referee didn't really spotted and so it ends up looking like McQuay yeah. has just stopped shielding the ball to shove a player out of bounds and kind of throw him at the same time so the basics of what happens is Micheletto tugs the jersey yeah. of McQuay mm-hmm. I guess to try and just throw him off and maybe open a bit of space to get at the ball or just to annoy him yep. um, what does McQuay do in return I wouldn't say it's like a shove it's more like doesn't he I think he like, grabs gra- the jersey grab him and, back yeah. but then there's some sort of momentum that, that makes Micheletto go a little farther he, right? I think he, he goes to grab the jersey but he doesn't release and so then it looks like Akwai is, is basically throwing him via like the neck of his jersey yeah. of Michaletto's jersey, and that is very, very obvious. Whereas Michaletto had sort of grabbed like the stomach area of Akwai's jersey, which yeah, the referee yeah. couldn't Just see. A more subtle grab, right? yeah. yeah. But then when suddenly you you seem to be throwing a player by their neckline, that one maybe is going to get a bit more attention. All right, so we've described the the sequence of events. Yeah. Do we think this should have been a penalty kick? Yeah. 
Yeah? Uh, yeah, because he's no longer playing the ball at that point. He starts to play the man. It probably could have been given as a penalty, but we don't have VA, or excuse me, as a free kick for the kickers. We that's, don't have- that's what I was going to argue. Isn't there maybe an argument that because it's Micheletto that grabs the jersey of Aquai first, mm-hmm. shouldn't this just be a free kick to the I mean, kickers instead of a penalty? It should be in an ideal world, but again, the angle for both the official and the AR, the AR is facing them, but it's sort of like they're huddled in that, like, like a rep between the six yard box and the 18. So I think the AR can't see the tugging that's happening. The referee, uh, from the opposite vantage point also yeah. can't see it. And so that's why that little, that little tug is so smart because it's really difficult to spot that one. If this went to VAR. Would they overrule That's what I'm saying. it? Do you yeah. think they would because there's the foul first? Yeah, I said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. I think. But we don't have VAR. Yeah, and, and so, Aquai knows that, right? So maybe the argument is there's no VAR. You know, you're not going to get away with it. Don't let the referee make a decision. Don't don't have that reaction that invites the possible penalty kick. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yes, agree. But I also think though that like there's going to be some jersey tugging. It's part of the game when you stop shielding the ball or shepherding the ball, which is a key component there. You're no longer playing the ball. So now you're just kind of off the ball pulling someone's jersey. <laughs> you're going to get that penalty. That's what's going to happen. Agree. Okay, mm. one final thing on Aquay. Um, yeah. He's one of our favorite players, right? I'm, I've really enjoyed watching him this season. He's, he might be, with all respect to everybody else, my favorite defender, my favorite center back for the Richmond Kickers because he often makes things mm-hmm. happen. Um, but this is the second time we've seen him do yep. uh, this. Not the, gra- the, not the grabbing thing, but the shepherding the ball out of play when it's not a good idea. Yeah. Right? Isn't there, I can't remember which game. It was a couple games ago. It was uh, FC Tucson, I believe, the nil-nil draw, where he thinks it's going out at midfield and basically, I think, kind of eases up in this situation, yeah. in that situation. And then the player is able to kind of come through, keep the ball in bounds. Then there's a tussle. I think it would have been called for a foul there, except referee gives advantage because Tucson have a counterattack. It ends up with Maxi Rodriguez like sliding across to stop a it's shot. It's a heroic slide tackle mm-hmm. save from Maxi Rodriguez. Yeah. Yes, right. Which is a fun moment, but that shouldn't have happened because Akwai probably shouldn't have tried to shepherd that ball yeah. out. So maybe the one thing we would request in future is <laughs> we'll have Akwai, if in doubt, kick it out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> smart because I, I, it's a difficult thing to like game plan against. But yeah. if you're an, an, an opposing team and you've seen him do this now twice, one of which ended in a penalty, yeah. uh, you <laughs> might think like maybe just put him under pressure, you, even when it seems like the ball's gone. Would you start playing slow passes that are going out of bounds, but very slowly towards Akwai, and like have that as your tactic? I think it would be. <laughs> No, uh, I think it would be more so like it is clear that he might switch off if like it doesn't if like the ball seems like it's going out of bounds. Basically, don't give up on it is I guess what you could look at I it see. as is like, yeah. don't give up on any ball. Run down every single loose one because he yeah, yeah. may have that momentary lapse and yep. you can get in there and make something happen. He's not as good of a shepherd as he thinks he is. Exactly. <laughs> OK, our other center back, mm-hmm. Connor Shinoski. Yeah. Um, just a few minutes later. Gets two yellow cards in quick succession. He does. 85th minute and 87th minute. Mm-hmm. The first one, I think, is just he steps hard as Tormentor attack. And there's you suggested maybe there's just a bit of frustration having just conceded, so. like, all right, I'm just gonna I think it's I'm just gonna win this ball no matter what. Well it's or or I think if I'm my read on this one is that he knows he's not going to win the ball, but he has to break up this counterattack, so he's gonna do the professional foul. Okay. But he's a little frustrated, so I'm gonna get a yellow card anyway. Maybe I'll go a little bit harder than I need to to make this professional foul. And I think that's because he it never seems to me like he's stepping to really win the ball. He kind yeah. of knows, maybe I'll get it, but more likely I'm getting the player, getting and I'm going to get a yellow anyway, so I'll take that one. All right, so not much debate about that one. No. Um, 87th minute yeah. is the second yellow. It's a red card for Shinoski. It's a foul on Lucas Coutinho. Mm-hmm. No relation to Felipe Coutinho. That we know I, of. I checked. I checked. <laughs> okay, you did? Did you? What did you Google? <laughs> I mean, I checked Wikipedia. <laughs> Lucas Coutinho brother? Yeah. Question mark? Well, I feel like if it was on his Wikipedia, if, uh-huh. if he, has, he has a Wikipedia page, that fact would be on there. Probably. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no relation. That's not important. Um, what is important is Shinoski has the ball. Shinoski loses the ball. Then he tracks down Coutinho, who wins the ball. 
and kind of just puts what his knee into Coutinho's thigh. Yeah, yeah. it's mm. a definite yellow card. Yep. So then it's a definite uh, second yellow, and it's an absolute. We, red we card. had to go back and check because I was I wasn't sure if it was a second yellow or a straight red because right. it it is also it's not like a breakaway, but it is stopping a counterattack with a fair amount of aggressive force from behind. Yeah. And I think maybe Shinovsky, if you want to be generous, is trying to like put a slide tackle in to kind of poke the ball away, but I think just isn't quite as as fast as uh, Coutinho. Yeah. yeah, and so then, and it's one of those where like maybe isn't going to get there anyway, but then that extra touch from Coutinho puts yeah. the ball even further away, and now it looks like Shinovsky was like five yards off. Here's the interesting thing about this second yellow, mm-hmm. um, I know you know this because we've, cause we've yeah. watched it. I've also heard from the kickers that they, they were slightly concerned about this. Yeah. As Shinovsky has the ball to begin with, there's a whistle from mm-hmm. the crowd, and the whistle sounds very much like the referee's whistle for like the play is dead, it's a free kick or something like that. And you can see Shinovsky stop for a second, and I'm pretty sure that's why he loses the ball. Is he distracted by this whistle? Yeah, I mean, I the thing is like I don't know how much he actually stops there, and yeah. and I've wondered this before about like how do players know in the game in stadiums that like the whistles that they'll hear because sometimes there are whistles aren't on the field, and I think there's probably a specific cadence that the referee goes for and like tone when <laughs> whistling, but I think also it's like the immediacy. It's <laughs> like guys, I'll be in uh, I'll be in C today. Well, <laughs> listen, listen at the very end. Like, listen at the end of every game, and they all call full time or half time yeah. different ways. Okay. Sometimes it's just like peep peep. Sometimes yeah. it's peep peep peep. Sometimes it's like a long peep. Uh-huh. Like, so I think they have different ways of blowing the whistle. But I also think that in a lot of games, like at City Stadium, if you have a whistle, you're still a good ten to fifteen feet at a minimum, like off the field, except for maybe in that one little corner. Yeah. But but I think in this facility, I think that whistle comes from a seat that is maybe three feet away from Connor Shinovsky. Oh, okay. So if anything, I think there's just a loud whistle right behind him, and it kind of like makes him okay. startled for a moment. It's more of a startled thing yeah. than um, I thought the referee blew the play yes. dead kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it was also him thinking the play was dead, but I also could see in the moment being like, no, I thought it was the whistle. The whistle, I thought it was the play was done. And like maybe like a, a post-red a post, uh, card incident uh, reimagining of things. Yeah. Um, so I do know the kickers have not, they've yeah. not complained as in this, like, this should be mm-hmm. overturned or anything, but they've like, let the league know that maybe fans shouldn't be blowing whistles that sound like referees' whistles. I mean, except that what, what are they going to do? Search people for whistles? I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. Now we live in a police state where whistles aren't allowed, Daryl. Yes. That's, that's your solution is it's more like, restriction? It's like the footloose time, but for whistles. Yeah. I, I'm going to say maybe, uh, maybe that one doesn't get uh, looked into too much. <laughs> All right, the other thing is that means uh, for the kickers... What about when people make whistles with their mouths? You got to like, no fingers and mouths anymore. Yeah, you just watch that. You just have, okay. yeah. All right. You man mark every fan. Everybody right. has to wear mittens at all times. That's the only solution here. In July. Yes. Um, the kickers have one more game in June. Mm-hmm. Um, it's against... Uh, oh, I need, actually, I need to check the schedule. Who's the kickers' next game? Uh, that, would be, that would be North Texas SC, my friend, North at home. North Texas SC mm-hmm. at home. They're also... Away mm-hmm. against Chattanooga Red Wolves on June 29th. North, North Texas SC at home is July 13th. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, June 29th, Saturday, they're away to Chattanooga Red Wolves. It's the final chance to score in June. That'd be good. That'd be nice since I believe there's a, a fundraiser for uh, LGBTQ. Yeah, for Pride. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for, Pride uh, for every so, goal scored. For every goal scored. So maybe, maybe they score 10 in this game and then things yes. uh, work out better. Yeah, fill your boots against yep. Chattanooga Red Wolves. But Ch- Connor Shinossi is going to be suspended. Mm hmm. 
Um, Bubuka Keita is not back with the kickers after the U20 World Cup. I think he's been called back by Columbus because they've had some injury mm-hmm. worries. So we're guessing, I mean, I'm guessing maybe Magalas uh, yep. steps in. I mean, he's the, I think, the only other centre-back in town. Yep. I, I mean, unless <laughs> they maybe like move Maxi back and put more holding midfielders in. They did start well, with... Braden Troyer, I've seen play centre-back in the past. Yeah, that could yeah. be. That, that wouldn't surprise me. I think so. We'll see, obviously, some experimentation in the back line because there's, yeah. there's going to be no Shinoski. But it also sounds like maybe we get some experimentation with the kind of overall roster as well potentially in yeah. the near future well, I've heard there was a sort of mid-season check-in mm-hmm. with you know uh, kickers coaching staff and the you know senior management yep. um, where it's essentially just a check-in on what's happening with the season um, no danger of David Bulo being in trouble like losing his job or anything like that is, is what we've heard mm-hmm. kickers feel very positive even with bad results they feel very positive about the sort of atmosphere around the team and the philosophy and what Bulo is trying to do uh, but apparently they did talk about some maybe some little tweaks or this or that so if we're going to see any changes in the pattern of play we might start to see it um, as we as we exit June maybe mm-hmm. maybe in this final game so that'd be worth keeping an eye on maybe alright uh, is, is there anything that you would like aside from like more goals being scored and maybe a few uh, wins and stuff of losses <laughs> is there anything that you think that they could look to do or I mean, should we just refer back to the episodes we've honestly yeah we've, I, uh, I, for me personally everything that we think the kicker should tweak maybe mm-hmm. to make the system more effective is in the previous uh, Richmond Kickers weekly episode that's fair the only the only other possibility is maybe signings like add some players like maybe add some sort of uh, more aggressive striker more, more of a target type striker I feel like Jackson and Chin both like to sort of drift from centre forward out mm-hmm. they almost like like coming and playing in the spaces instead of just being sort of a some terrorising centre forward I mean if the kickers could go out and sign uh, Zlatan I don't know uh, Lewandowski that, that would maybe fix some problems um, yeah. Zlatan okay. would also be useful let's get Zlatan in there I'm pretty sure see if we can get him on loan let's see <laughs> Zlatan on loan yeah, yeah. Um, so there we go uh, kickers are um, I bet you they have. it's an option they haven't pursued yet I'll say that much <laughs> June 29th, Saturday night, um, away to Chattanooga Red Wolves, 7 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Let's get some goals in June. Um, all right, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk Richmond Kickers with me. Right back at you, buddy. And let's have the Red Army play us out. Oh.